Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. With me, as always, is the inventor of the infomercial and the original shark on the hit TV series, Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington. Mobile Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, hey Seth. Great to be here, and I'm excited with a special guest, so uh, let's have some fun. That's right. We're on the road today interviewing Michael Hyatt, uh, founder and chairman of Michael Hyatt & Company, creator of the Full Focus Planner, which we here live by at Market Domination, New York Times and Wall Street Journal and U.S. Today best-selling author of multiple books, been on Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fast Company, Business Week, Entrepreneur, and everywhere else, here to talk today about his new book, When It Works, Succeed at Life, Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork is Michael Hyatt. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Seth. Thank you. Kevin, thanks for having me on. So what, what inspired you to write this book? Well, let me tell you the story. So we have to go back in time. So in the year 2000, I took over responsibility as the general manager for one of Thomas Nelson Publishers' 14 book publishing divisions. And at the time, they were the seventh largest book publisher in the country, I inherited this one division that was dead last in every significant financial metric. It wasn't growing. In fact, it was going backwards. Uh, it was losing money. The morale for that division was terrible. So the CEO said, how long is it going to take you to turn it around? I said, I think probably three years. Of course, I had no clue. I was just pulling a number out of the air. But uh, I, I went back to the team. I shared with them a vision of what it could look like if we you know, really buckled down and worked hard. And we did. We were working 70 to 80 hours a week. And the good news was that in 18 months, a year and a half, we went from number 14 to number one in terms of revenue growth, in terms wow. of profit margin, team morale was fantastic. But I got the biggest bonus check I'd ever gotten in my career up to that point. It was more than my annual salary. So I went home, pretty proud of myself, super excited to share it with my wife, uh, Gail. I just, I knew she would be elated. And so I bounced into the, to the house. I unfurled the check, showed it to her. And she was just not that enthusiastic. And she said, we need to talk. And I said, that's oh, not good. That's not good. So <laughs> we walked, walked into the den, sat down, and she been to, began to tear up. And she said, you know, I love you. And I appreciate so much the hard work that you put in for our family. But she said, I got to be honest with you. She said, you are never home. And the worst part of that is your five daughters, I have five girls, all grown now, but at the time they were small. She said, um, they desperately need you. And she said, even when you are at home, you're not really here. And then she started crying. 
and I, I knew the worst was about to come. And she said, mm. honestly, I feel like a single mom. And that was like wow. a huge gut kick because yeah. I thought I'd reached the pinnacle of success. And what I discovered was that it was a false summit. So that was like a wake up call. Yeah. It, and so, so now you, as, as you're talking, when it works, so you're, the winning at work, do you get into pandemic issues with, you know, with winning at work also? is it Because we've all, the last year has, has been a brutal situation for a lot of folks. But um, how do you, how do you talk about winning during the pandemic? What, what are some of the tips there? Yeah. So here's one of the crazy things about winning at work and succeeding at life. And, and the reason we pair those two together is we don't we don't believe that you have to compromise one to serve the other. In other words, work-life balance, as much as it's maligned, is possible, but you have to be intentional and you have to define the win in advance. So, you know, one of the things that, that we argue in the book and, and the subtitle of the book kind of says it all, it's five principles to free yourself from the cult of overwork. Now, look, mm. I am a hard charging business guy. I've built several companies. I believe in scaling businesses and wringing the most juice out of them. But I also don't want to do it at the expense of my family, my personal health, my most important relationships. So one of the principles in the book that we talk about is the power of constraint. And this is like totally counterintuitive, Kevin, for most people. Yeah. And that is by actually working fewer hours, you can accomplish more. So to give you an example, uh, for the last five or six years in a row, I've taken off 162 days a year. Okay, so that's every weekend, every holiday, 11 weeks of vacation, including a 30-day sabbatical. And I don't connect with work. I don't, I'm not plugged in, none of that. At the same time, for the last three years in a row, our company has been named to the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in America. So scaling, but working less. So during the pandemic, about the third weekend of the pandemic, we experienced what a lot of companies experience. We have about 47 full-time employees, and we have a lot of young employees with young kids, and now suddenly they had no daycare. They had no, uh, no school for the kids, and the kids were underfoot, and everybody was stressed out of their mind. So we said, kind of as a temporary provision, because we do believe in winning at work and succeeding at life, let's go to a six-hour workday. Now, part of me was really scared to do this, right? Because I didn't want productivity to suffer. We didn't revise our budget for the year, and we had a very aggressive budget already. We had a 50% increase on the bottom line that was budgeted for 2020. So we said, we don't want to give up on that. And we're going to measure productivity by one simple metric. We don't want to see any slippage financially. So after two weeks, the executive team got together and we said, how did it go? We said, we can't really tell any difference. It seems like everybody's just as productive as they were before. So we said, okay, let's try it for another couple of months. We did. We, in fact, we did this through the summer. We loved it. Team was just as productive as they'd ever been. So then we said in our strategic planning meeting last September, we said, this is going to be a permanent thing. Michael Hyde and company, we're going to go to a 30-hour work week. So we finished the year 101% ahead of last year on the bottom line, 50% ahead of budget. So I really believe that constraint was what helped us to do that. Again, I know it's counterintuitive, yeah. But it forces you to prioritize. It's like that Friday before you go on vacation. You know, you're yeah. productive. So I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Seth. So I think it's, you're right, it's counterintuitive and kind of contrarian because most book, most programs that preach work-life balance say life first, work second, and that should be your priority. 
and you're delivering on the balance, but you talk about winning at work first. Why, why does what happens at work show up at home? Well, this, you know, I think there's a, for, for a lot of people, work is kind of the only domain of life and endeavor. They derive all their meaning from it. They get immense rewards at work. They, they can measure progress. So they get a real sense of happiness and, you know, well-being from that. And unfortunately, we don't get those same things from a lot of the other areas of our life, especially if you're raising kids, you know, it's a long-term project. You're trying to improve your marriage. It's a long-term project. And a lot of times we just don't know what to do with ourselves when we're at home. But there are at least, and I write about this in another book that I wrote called Living Forward, but there's at least 10 domains of life. You know, there's your spiritual life, your intellectual, your emotional life, your physical life. You've got your financial life, your vocation, your avocation, your marriage, your kids, all these different areas. But here's the thing. They're all interrelated. So that if you're feeling stress at work, that's going to have an impact on your most important relationships. If on the other hand, if you're going through, you know, marital strife or struggle with one of your kids, it's almost impossible not to bring that to work so that you're distracted at work. So all these things work together. And when they're working well, they actually serve one another, complement one another, and ensure that you get the best result in each of these domains. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. So I, I, I have to ask, 162 days, was that per year of, of yes. time away? Yes. Is, is, is Gail's your, your wife. Is, she, is, is Gail happy now? <laughs> she is. We've been married for 42 years. Uh, we have nine grandkids. Our five kids live within 20 minutes of us. Uh, three of the five are married. We have nine grandkids. They're all within about two minutes of us. Nice. And so, you know, we have time for that kind of stuff now. And I, and I haven't, you know, taken my foot off the gas pedal for the business. I want the business to continue, you know, to scale and build and do. We have amazing things we want to accomplish in the world. But I don't want to sacrifice my family or my health on the altar of my ambition. And that's what I think too many young entrepreneurs are being encouraged to do by celebrity entrepreneurs who advocate what we call in the book, the hustle fallacy, you know, just work hard and eventually you'll be able to give attention to those things that matter. But in the meantime, you got to white knuckle it. And I think, you know, I meet them all the time because we coach yeah. uh, over 600 entrepreneurs, but we meet them all the time. People that are burned out, who have blown up their health, blown up their marriage, their kids, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, what? why is there a danger in thinking that the work-life balance is a myth and that we can't get it? Because you've proven that you can. Yeah. And and I think we've, we've not only proven it, I've not only proven it for myself, but in the, in the clients that we coach, in the people we serve, you mentioned the full focus planner, you know, many of those people are in, in some state of, of achieving work-life balance. And obviously all, all of us go out of balance from, from time to time. And, you know, there are seasons when that's inevitable, but what really happens, Seth, is too often those seasons can become permanent. So we deceive ourselves into thinking that, you know, just when I get acclimated to this new job, then I'll give my my spouse and the kids the attention they deserve. Or when I get this marketing director who resigned, when I get them replaced, then I'll give attention to my family like, like they deserve. But the problem is that season that we think is temporary turns into another season, turns into another season. And pretty soon, you know, it's a way of life. Michael, the, um, obviously you've got the skill set to change your life, improve your life. You've written the book. That's great. By the way, can't wait to read it because I could use a few tips here on working a little less. Uh, so thank you and, and looking forward to, to, to reading your book. But do you have any, like, without mentioning names, maybe a, a couple of examples of people that have had some kind of a transformation 
under your, your, you know, guidance and coaching and advice to work less, constrain themselves, et cetera, here, just to, just to chat about here today. Yeah, one of them is a lady by the name of Stormy Bradley. And she's a person that we profile in the book and we just sent out and we did a beautiful video of her life. But she was an overworked business owner living in Texas who of all things had a steel and milling factory. And this last year, she worked less than she's ever worked before. She grew her revenue 55.5% in 2020 during the pandemic, mm. grew it over $28 million in one year and was home every day at three o'clock to be with her kids. That's beautiful. And and that's yeah. kind of, a, we've got tons of examples of people like that. But again, it, it, it begins by establishing that constraint. And also I think for, for people like us, Kevin, that are hard charging entrepreneurs, we kind of have to decide that there's a life outside of work. And that takes some intention, right? Yeah. It takes some planning. Like, like one of the reasons why I could never take vacations in the past is I didn't know what to do with myself. If, if I'm on idle, I get distracted and I eventually drift back into what's familiar and what's familiar to me is work. So I had to develop hobbies right. and, I had, and I love to learn. And so whether it was fly fishing or whether I played the Native American flute, you know, photography, all these things, I just decided I was going to get interested in. And I, and I think it's made me a more interesting person, a more balanced person. And it's given me a lot to bring back, back to work. And Stormy is a good example of, of the question you ask. Yeah. You talk about some of the things leaders can do to implement the double win within their organizations. We want folks to go get the book, but can you tease us with one or two of them? Yeah, I think one of the things is just having hard boundaries around the workday. Uh, back when I was the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, because I went on from that job to eventually become the CEO of that company, and we were publicly held at the time, and then we sold to private equity. And... Um, Funny story, you know, we, we thought we were kind of sold on the idea that we wouldn't have to re report to the street every quarter so we could really focus on long-term growth. And what my experience was, and a lot of people that have done private equity know this, but I went from reporting quarterly as a public health company to reporting weekly, right? And so, <laughs> and so I was getting these emails from my private equity partners or text messages at all hours of the night and day. And I realized that that never were those congratulatory after about 6 p.m. at night. There were always some problem that, I, that would keep me from going to sleep. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we said inside our company is, is before the pandemic, we don't want people working more than 40 hours a week. Now, since the pandemic, no more than 30 hours a week. And again, with the understanding that there are times when we have to go out of, out of balance for the sake of some emergency or something. But that's one thing. So we don't text, we don't email, we don't contact people when they have time off. We just had our, our CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, come back from paternal leave. She was gone for three months. We didn't text her. We didn't email her. We told her, we don't want to hear from you. We want you to give attention to this you know, brand new baby girl so that she gets the nurture and the love that she needs. Because here's what happens. If that doesn't happen, that's going to show up in her work downstream. So it's an investment that we make in the future of our company because this yeah. is a marathon. We're in it for the long haul. When I think of working less, of course, one of the things that comes to mind is the is Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, right? So yeah, I, you love know, that book. I, yeah, that was that was great. But uh, so I think what you're, you're talking about work, like when you when you say working less, thirty hours, not a forty hour week, a thirty, like how many hours a week is 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 less for 
for somebody like yourself uh, and or your recommendation for hard charging entrepreneurs like ourselves? Well, first of all, let me just let me just recommend another book that's not my book, but it's a book that heavily influenced me by uh, Alex Pang called Shorter. And he argues for why shorter work hours and has a gazillion case studies in the book, why these companies uh, scale so rapidly. And, and it's the simple fact that it forces you to identify your priorities and not get sidetracked by busy work or what I call fake work. You right. know, not all work is created equal. You know, we, we surveyed our clients a couple of years ago when I wrote my book, Free to Focus. And we said, on average, for those of you that work with a daily task list, how many items on average do you have on your task list? And so the average was 15. Well, we know from the Pareto principle that 20% of the effort drives 80% of the results, right? So 20%, not all those tasks are equal. Some of them are as you know, simple as running an errand. Some of them are much more consequential and have to do with revenue generation or profit generation. And so we said, okay, if 20% of the effort drives 80% of the results, what are the three tasks that you need to focus on every day? And we call these the daily big three, and it's baked into the full focus planner. Mm -hmm. So we teach the people that we coach to, first of all, identify three goals for the quarter, and then three objectives for the week. In other words, if you could only get three things done, what would be the three things that would move the needle? And then every day, what are the big three? You can have some other tasks, but you're going to declare a win when you've accomplished those big three. You do that every day, five days a week, week in, week out. You can create a lot of impact in the world. Now, you didn't uh, write this book by yourself. You had quite uh, an amazing contributor. You want to talk about her for just a minute? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned before, I have five daughters. My oldest daughter is named Megan. And uh, she's been working with me for about seven years. Of course, she lived through that whole thing when I wasn't giving attention to the girls. She's now the CEO of our company. So she made her the CEO on January the 2nd of this year. And we had announced a succession plan where that was going to happen next year. But, you know, she's just a fast study and she was ready to go and I was ready for her to step in. So she kind of tells it from her story or from her side. But here's the kicker. She has five kids, including three adopted kids and two that are high need. And so when she came to work for me seven years ago and I wanted her to be our COO and she had been doing some contract work uh, in marketing for me. And she said, well, dad, I'll do it on one condition. She said, I want to pick up my kids from school. And so I want to be done by three o'clock in the afternoon. And I want to send them off on the bus. So I don't want to start work till nine. So I said, okay. I said, honestly, I don't care how long it takes you. Just get the work done. So she was kind of our first experiment in this whole thing. And she still to this day is doing that. She's running our company. She serves on some boards. She's got five kids. She's married. And, you know, she's winning at work and succeeding at life. And again, I would say this for both of us, not perfectly. You know, we have our days. But overall, you know, we're, we're experiencing that. We call it the double win. Awesome. For our folks who want to learn more and get the book, Win at Work, Succeed at Life, where is the best place for us to send them? Well, the best place is to go to a website that we've created specifically for this, and it's called winandsucceedbook.com, winandsucceedbook.com forward slash shark. So we've done, designed this just for you guys. Win and there we've got over $500 worth of bonuses. Awesome. Well, we greatly oh, appreciate right. that. We will steer everyone there. This has been Seth Green with Kevin Harrington and Michael Hyatt for Sharkpreneur. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.